0: It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? It's that time again, podcast listener, Smart Money Questions Podcast. And you believe it, here we are in January, the IRS has come out and given us an official date for the tax filing season of January 24th, yet they are already warning us about challenges, not only for this tax season, but the issues and backlog that they've had since the beginning of the pandemic. I read one article that says normally this time of year, the IRS is already facing about a million filers in a backlog that haven't been processed, whether it was from the year prior or even older than that. In one article I found, actually dated back in July of 2021, at that time, the IRS was 35 million returns behind in the backlog. So I'm telling you that because I, you know, I do have some clients that have had to file returns, and this is one of the things it says, is if you have had to file a return that has to be manually reviewed, it's going to take a while. In some cases, uh, especially in the event that the return had something incorrect about it, When you mailed it in, it could be that it was mailed to the wrong IRS facility. Um, I read that they actually were shut down for an entire month. They are, Quite frankly, I would think they're still finding bags of mail. So I'm just telling you that to be aware of this upcoming tax filing season. I'm always talking about tax planning. Well, we're already past the first of the year. So one of the things as you're gathering all your documents, You want to be paying special attention to your deductions. um, If you were putting money into a traditional IRA, if you were putting money into an HSA, what have you, anything that's going to affect the top of your adjusted gross income, meaning reducing it, make sure you have that. You talk with your tax professional as you're going forward and looking to file that. So just be aware the IRS has already come out and said that. So don't be surprised in the event you're due a refund and takes a while to get it. So before we jump into this, let's go ahead and make sure we deal with a disclaimer. Please don't take any of the information or ideas or suggestions that I offer in today's show as direct advice for you. Please use it as information and education that you then can discuss with your advisor. Now, if you don't have an advisor or you would like for us to be your advisor, I'm more than happy to have that conversation with you. And it's real simple. All you have to do is go to www.speakwithmat.com. That's www.speakwithmatt.com. And my online scheduler is right there. You can go right in. You can schedule a 15 or 30 minute phone conversation. And quite frankly, At the end of that first call, we're going to have a good idea. Does it make sense to have a second conversation? So again, very low key. Go right into the online scheduler. You don't even have to get on the phone with anyone to schedule this. So again, speakwithmatt.com, www.speakwithmatt.com, and schedule it there. So all right, let's go ahead and get on to today's show. Okay, so let's jump into this. My recommendation is to always try and break even with your tax obligation annually. You hear you know, we hear it all the time. Don't give the government a loan that they're not going to pay you on. In other words, having too much money withheld, either in your W-2 or if you're already retired, Social Security pensions, IRA withdrawals, what have you, try and hit to that break-even point where maybe your refund's 100 bucks or $200, or you owe a couple hundred dollars. Um, that way... When we have situations like what we've seen over the last couple years, you're not waiting for potentially a large chunk of money. This also goes to the state level. I know here in PA, we've had clients that have had some situations in the past where the state of PA, they had paid way too much in for estimated tax payments to the state of PA, and it was like pulling teeth for them to get that money back out. So again, be aware, be looking at when you're talking with your tax professional or you're doing it on your own, be looking at where you are falling in how much of a refund am I going to get. Now on the opposite side, we don't want to have a big refund, but we don't definitely don't want to owe a big chunk of money either. We wanna, again, we want to break even. And that takes me to the next thing. This next year, you know, or during this tax season, as you are filing your taxes, many times I talk with clients and or just people in general, and it seems like we're always talking about, quote, the tax brackets. I don't want to go into the next tax bracket. A buddy of mine who has an accounting firm, he talks about the idea of tax brackets is phonus balonus. What you really want to be paying attention to is your effective tax rate. What in the world is that? When you're looking at your tax return, you can do it pretty easily, Page 1 and 2 of the 1040, if that's what you're filing, is you're looking at what your taxable income is and then what your total tax paid in is. So your effective tax rates, even though you could be in the 24% tax bracket, you could be in the 32% tax bracket, what have you, that doesn't mean that you are paying 32% tax on all of your income. Go to that line, what is my taxable income? In other words, we have our adjusted gross income, then it's reduced by either a standard deduction or if you itemize, your itemized deductions, and then potentially some other deductions, like if you're a business owner, certain pass-through deductions that you get, and then at the very bottom of page one, it's gonna tell you your taxable income. Then if you go to page two, there's some other things that happen there, but then you're gonna see total tax and all you got to do is do the division, the total tax into what the taxable income is, and that is your effective tax rate. And that's one of the things you want to be looking at because it's going to incorporate, especially if you have sources of income that are taxed in different ways. For instance, uh, dividends, qualified dividends, short-term Uh, capital gains, long-term capital gains, business income, all of those different things can be taxed differently. It's not just about tax brackets. So be looking at that. And again, making sure that when you are, you know, it's not a big refund and you don't owe a lot. My recommendation is to always try and be right around break even. So, okay, the other thing I want to talk about today is, invariably as we turn over into the new year or if something else is happening many times elections we're coming into a midterm year is the question is oh my goodness what what, what's going to happen in this next year and one of the things I like to talk about especially with clients is the idea of understanding behavioral finance and where does that fit in to your investment strategies and your investment philosophy, all of that. If we think about where we are now, we're two years into this COVID thing, right? Think about where we were two years ago right around now. First, you know, It's January, coming into February, there's a little bit of talk of it, not a lot. And then two months later, I mean, it looks like, holy cow, everything's coming to a dramatic halt. Markets are down. One of the things that behavioral finance talks about is the idea of. Let me actually give you the quote official definition that I found. And that is what is behavioral finance? It is the branch of economics and psychology that deals with the effects of cognitive errors and emotional biases on investors, both retail and institutional and financial markets. I found this great article that talked about. Understanding behavioral finance, where you are, maybe some understanding yourself and making sure that you're not falling into these cognitive errors and emotional biases that we all tend to have. One of the things that I thought was so interesting in the article that I talked about, and if we think about where we have been, if we go all the way back to 2008, 2007 and 2008 and that is checking your politics at the investment door if we go back and we think about the different elections major elections that have happened over the course of the last 12 13 years going back to 08 and that is obama coming in it's a new administration it's a new way of thinking and when obama came in if you remember the democrats controlled everything the house the senate and the presidency, there was so much fear. Oh my goodness, what's happening? Plus, we're going through the financial crisis. And people were making emotional decisions at that time, many times because of fear. Then the same thing happened after Obama's uh, two terms were up and Trump's coming in. If you guys remember when, um, on election day, the futures for the domestic markets were in the toilet. The international markets... As the voting is happening, they're obviously ahead of us in terms of uh, time of day. They were they were falling pretty badly, but the very next day after the election, after maybe it was able to be digested quickly, the market was pretty much even. And of course, we saw what happened with the markets over the the following years. And then, you know, we had another election in 2020, and how that went. And many people were talking to me, oh my goodness, what's going to happen now? Is the market going to have a crash? It's always something that's going to be talked about. No matter what side of the aisle you're sitting on, many times what happens is if you are paying attention to this stuff out there, then if your party is getting ready to not retain office or not going to win office, then there is a lot of potential fear that is out there. That's behavioral finance. What's it say? Check your politics at the door. The next thing I saw in this article, and if we think about what's happened over the course of the last 14, 15 months especially, is it's called FOMO, fear of missing out. And think about the different things that have created where we've seen these huge jumps, usually irrationally. Think about GameStop. Think about AMC Entertainment, Crypto, Robinhood. Or this idea of, oh my gosh, I look back, why didn't I buy Amazon, Tesla, goodnight, maybe even Tupperware. If you can believe it, Tupperware in March of 2020 was trading at $1.62 a share, and right now it's over 15 bucks a share on the day that I'm recording it. All of a sudden there's this fear, oh my gosh, I'm going to miss out on something, right? There. By the way, there is certain copywriting techniques where people will use language to create FOMO to be able usually to sell something. So keep that in mind as well when you are reading or doing research or what have you, that we don't fall into that FOMO because many times if we feel like, oh my gosh, I'm going to miss out, what happens? We make irrational decisions. I think about if, if you understand How Madoff, or if you've ever seen any documents on Madoff, and how he was able to create this perception that, oh my gosh, if he'll just take my money, he is the master. It was FOMO. That's all it was. He was creating such this aura that you know, hopefully he'll tell me, hopefully I have enough that he'll be able to invest. Boy, how did that work out for the people that, quote, were in the end, right? How sad that was. The last thing I want to talk to you about is understanding and recognizing that irrationality is unbounded out there in our media in all forms the hype, the rhetoric, the memes, etc. In my opinion, there's so much information out there, especially when it comes to social media, and it's there to create confusion and chaos. So, One of the things I was talking with someone the other day, and um, in this case, we were specifically talking about uh, devotions. And I remember my dad talking to me about when you're reading a devotion is, and let's say that they're using one verse, maybe two, and then there's a devotion on it. My dad would always talk about the aspect of, don't hold it right there that that's the end all be all. My suggestion would be, that you go back and you read the entire chapter to get a better understanding of the context that is there. So if we would take that same approach into the investment world and where your investments are, is we don't just look at a couple of things and think that's it. Is it. If they're reciting or they're documenting things that where they're gathering data, is we want to go in... And we want to look at that as well. I mean, one of the things I always talk about is with smart money questions is there's so many times that asking one question and getting that one answer, that usually is not the end all be all because many times that's not the question that really is needing to be asked. So it's peeling back that onion. It's asking more questions, if anything, to have a better understanding on whatever it is we're wanting to have more knowledge on. The last thing I wanna tell you is in understanding that, and now we're looking at what is 2022 going to be, what's gonna happen is I read an article the other day in the Wall Street Journal by, hopefully I'll pronounce his name right, Jason Zigwig, or Zigwig, something like that. <laughs> and he wrote answering the question that is, and his his column is called The Intelligent Investor, And it was, what's going to be the best investment in 2022? And his comment was this, discipline. Discipline will be the best investment moving forward. So understanding what behavioral finance is, one of the things I always talk about, especially with clients, is the idea and understanding of, let's talk about when the market starts to move downward, Because you're not calling me when the market is going up, right? Everything's moving up. Values are going, you know, higher. But good night when things start to fall, my my question is always, are you going to be blowing my phone up? You know, is there going to be a sense of fear where at that point in time, if we make an irrational decision with investments, many times it's very difficult, if not impossible, to recover from it and again i would i would challenge you to go back and think about where your investments were and many of the clients um we've had those conversations think about the conversation in your head at the end of march 2020 because it happened very quickly and you know lockdowns no end in sight oh my god what's happening blah 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 somehow things ended up coming out you know on the back end now you know it's hard many times people will forget what that was like i would tell you to take emotional stock in that to recognize hey listen i went through that period of time we can go back we can go to the end of 2018 we can go back to the you know middle of 2016 again fast drops what's my thought process making sure that i understand my behavioral finance what my biases are and making sure that we don't fall into emotional biases that end up potentially wreaking havoc on our overall investment. So I will, let me back up again, say this. This was, again, the Wall Street journalist, uh, Jason Zigwig, Ziegwig? Am I saying that right? <laughs> Answering the question. What is the best investment in 2022? Disciplined. All right, everyone, that's all I've got for today. Hopefully, this has been valuable. If you would like to have a personal conversation with me, reach out to us at speakwithmatt.com. Again, www.speakwithmatt.com. My online calendar is right there. You can schedule something. If you would like for us to address a question or scenario, simply email us at info at smartmoneyquestions.com. Again, info at smartmoneyquestions.com. Or go to our website smartmoneyquestions.com and right there you'll see ask matt a question listen everyone everybody take care looking forward to 2022